forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. What sins have you committed? <laughs> well... Hey everyone, welcome to Forgive Me, Father, a podcast where we discuss how certain aspects of life and a walk with God go together or don't mesh so well. Through discussions of personal vices and victories, we hope to help you, the listener, understand others more and create conversations, no matter what you've experienced or believe. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Forgive Me, Father. My name is John Adams. I'm going to be the host of this podcast, and this is episode zero. It is a kind of an introduction, a prologue, if you will to the contents and the hope of this podcast. And also I'll be giving a little bit of a background about me being your host, hoping to have a lot of people and a lot of different experiences that are gonna be on the podcast, but I thought it would be important for me to be able to share where I stand and what some of my beliefs are in this episode so that when going into the podcast, you as listeners will know where I stand and where I come from and my thoughts and feelings of God and the Bible as you listen to each episode. So first of all, the hope of this podcast is to bridge the gap between people who attend church and those who don't, those who have a relationship with God and those who have never had a walk with God, who have never desired one, but have experience in the church or out of the church with certain topics such as the LGBTQ plus community, drugs and alcohol, having a child before marriage. We'll get into matters of of protesting, pro-life versus pro-choice. Any Anything that you can go through as a human being, any belief system that you may have, there's always two sides of that coin. And how does that affect one's walk with God or one's relationship with God? Some are in opposition to the church. Like those things, there are certain topics that the church can view as sinful or wrong. But there's also certain topics that aren't necessarily bad within themselves or conversations that may be hard to talk about, such as mental health, leaving the church and then coming back not growing up in a church, or even deconstruction of what you learned before as a child in the hopes of reconstructing it to have a fuller view of yourself. Maybe it's of God. uh, Maybe it's just of life in general. There are many topics that I want to discuss, and I'm excited to share every guest story with y'all. But something that is important that everyone needs to hear is that I'm not here to advocate for church or God. I'm not here to tell people that they need to leave church and the guests will not have that agenda either. We will be sharing our stories so that those who are in the church can understand other experiences and how to love people that are going through those topics. And for those who can relate to certain topics, we hope to give advice or provide a safe space for you not to feel alone. Some conversations will be tough and maybe it's not something you want or know how to talk about with others, but that's why I wanted to start this. We want to be the springboard or the foundation to get these conversations going. I will be providing my own thoughts and convictions on certain topics, so maybe a guest and I won't see eye to eye. But once again, we hope to simply start conversations that you as listeners can carry on into your life, whether that life is inside the church culture or not. I think it's important for me to share my story briefly as well so that you all know where I'm coming from. And so I want to start off by saying that I was raised in a traditional Church of Christ denomination. My mom was in the choir, my grandfather, I called him Papa was a preacher at multiple churches, so I was at every church event and was a part of every Sunday school event that you could think of. Church choir, uh, going to summer camp with churches, different things like that. I was always kind of front and center. And being a child whose mom was in the choir and was kind of like one of the leaders within the song ministry that my church had, I was kind of put front and center as well. 
And so I was baptized in second grade, but one, that was more of a fear of hell than a love of God. They sat me down. They're like, hey, this is sin. This is hell. And I was like, oh, this is terrifying. Like, I don't, what eight-year-old wants to be a part of that? And so I got baptized because I was like, uh, Satan sounds terrifying. But I also remember going through it because once again, I was viewed as somewhat of a leader among the the kids in, in, in our church. And I remember being told that like, if I get baptized, the other kids will be baptized as well. And so I just kind of followed suit, hoping that they would follow suit. And I did it because it was expected of me, basically. Um, I followed the church path until my freshman year of high school when my papa died of cancer. He was my biggest father figure. And I remember the night before he passed, I was in the hospital and I prayed to God, if you are there, if you are real, let him make it through the night and let me see him tomorrow. But the next day on September 18th, 2007, my mom pulled me out of my fifth period class and she told me that he had died earlier in the morning. And that hit me really hard. In my 14 year old mind, in my mind, it registered that God didn't love me or that God didn't exist enough to hear me or help me because growing up without a father, having him be my only father figure, needing him my freshman year of high school and, and he was taken from me in my own mind. That was really tough. And so I decided to indulge in the things that have been labeled sin my entire life. Things that I were told were no-nos within the church community, sexual impurity, immorality, chasing after girls, selfishness. I was constantly putting myself first. I didn't care how other people were affected emotionally as long as I was kind of seen in a good light. I remember stealing a couple things when I was little, whether it was from friends or from stores. Arrogance. Once again, I was just really, I was filled with a lot of, a lot of self fits of rage. I was really disobedient to my mom. I never got into partying mainly because I wasn't popular enough to be offered any drugs or alcohol at a party, but I became very manipulative and self-seeking. Those were the biggest indulgences that I had. But the more that I indulged in those areas, girls, selfish ambition, uh, even what a lot of church cultures would label idolatry when it came to to soccer and putting friends and games first. It really was all a ploy. It really was just a mask. I later came to realize that I damaged so many because I was desperately trying to fill a hole that was left inside of me, um, that was left from my, my papa dying. I felt alone. I felt like I wasn't worth anybody's time because I, I felt like I wasn't worth God's time because he didn't love me. I never thought once that I was like, oh, this hole that is inside of me is the space that God's supposed to fill. It was just, I just had this aching that was inside of me. I had a feeling at the time that I was very depressed. I was never diagnosed, but the symptoms were there. My mom had encouraged me to go to therapy and that didn't help. And I fell into self-harm, suicidal thoughts that all evolved into planning of suicide because at the time I just thought there was nothing left. Luckily, the one day I had planned to execute a suicide plan, my mom actually came home early. I didn't thank God now that I think about it, but I did take it as some sort of sign and I never made plans for suicide again. I never considered suicide again. I was still filled with a lot of hatred of self, of other people, of God, but suicide was off the table because it was clear for some reason or another, whatever power was out there that I was meant to be alive. Flash forward to my junior year of high school, I was invited out to a church that's a part of the International Churches of Christ. I originally went out because I thought this girl who invited me was really cute. So why not? You know, when you're in high school and when I had already kind of given over to pursuing girls, 
uh, and winning, the, like trying to win their affection and trying to get some sense of worth from their acceptance or their compliments. I was like, okay, well, she's cute. I'll go. But I was drawn in by the community of not just adults, but also the teens in the church, the youth ministry. We're all actively pursuing a walk with God. And that's not something that I had been used to. When I grew up going to church, it was just the thing that we were supposed to do. You know, our parents brought us. And so we all just became friends because we were all at the church together, but none of us were actively seeking a relationship with God, or at least we didn't talk about it. We never once sat down and with each other discussed how our individual times with God were. I don't remember having an individual time with God when I was younger. I remember praying before meals, but that's because my mom told me to. I remember praying when I wanted something. But these high schoolers were actually talking to each other about what they had read that morning or that evening. And I found it, first of all, very strange. I didn't understand it. It was it was that certain authenticity that I was like, okay, these people actually are looking for God, searching for God and helping other people search for God. And so I went on and off for a year playing around with the idea of giving God another shot. And then eventually I agreed to these personal Bible studies where a member of that church would sit down with me. We always went to Starbucks or Wendy's and we would look through certain topics of the Bible. Like what does it mean to really seek God through God's word? What does the Bible say that the Bible is useful for? What does the Bible say what discipleship is? Uh, In Acts 11, it says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so within that church, they address everybody as disciples. That's, That's their name. It's not just Christians, it's disciples. And they had a very strong family culture. And so everybody was like, this is my brother, this is my sister. And so they would call each other that, even if they wanted to keep some form of anonymity, they would say, hey, I was talking to this brother the other day. And so they sat down with me. We talked about discipleship. We talked about what sin was, which was something that I was already familiar with when I was scared of hell in second grade. And then we talked about what does the cross mean? What what does repentance look like? That changing of mind, that 180 degree turn, turning away from sin and then pursuing righteousness. What did that look like? We talked about baptism. We talked about salvation. And through that, I learned this is what it means to to truly follow God for the first time. And so on February 6, 2011, I was baptized again, but technically for the first real time because I was in love with God at this point. It's something that I wanted to be a part of. And my mom was in attendance at that church service. She didn't attend that church, but she was very supportive because she had never given up on my walk with God. I had very overtly told my mom, I don't want anything to do with God years prior uh, when my papa had passed. But she knew that I would pursue God. And so it was a big moment for her. You know, she can trust that her son's not a heathen anymore. I still was. But that I was that I was pursuing God. But for seven years, I stayed with that church. And I gave everything I had to God, the Bible, his people, and then everything that it meant to be a Christian, to be a disciple as, as that church calls themselves. I had a pr- I have a pretty obsessive personality. And what that means is that I just give everything. Uh, and if I don't feel all in, and then I'm like, mm, I don't really feel like doing this. But I had such a passion for the Bible and, and God's people. And so I became enthralled with learning and memorizing scriptures so that I could hold a biblical conversation at any time uh, to share the gospel or defend it or encourage somebody within the church or challenge somebody within the church. I wanted to be a man thoroughly equipped for every good work, like 2 Timothy chapter Chapter 2, verse 22 says, uh, I led small groups within the teens ministry when I was in high school. When I was in college at Radford, I led some small groups there, led some Bible discussions. I led those personal Bible studies with other people that had been taught to me. And then even into the young adult ministry, 
after college, which the church calls the singles ministry, I led several studies, several uh, small group Bible discussions, a couple devotionals. I sang in the song ministry and yeah, I gave it everything I had and it was great. I have a lot of good memories, a lot of great friendships that are still from that. But eventually I became wrapped up in church legalism. I started following people rather than following and glorifying God. Uh, No one in that church that I was a part of in Roanoke was overtly manipulative. None of them showed a kind of authoritative presence over me. None of them forced my hand in any way. But I did feel a lot of a sort of a, hey, this is the way the church does things. If you want to do well with God, according to what the Bible says, which was according to their church culture, you need to do this. There were times where my arrogance was becoming a lot and they said, you need to step out of leadership. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, There were times I had struggles with watching pornography and I would get open about that. And they would say, all right, you need to step away from this friendship or you need to step away from leadership in this way. And those things made sense to me, but there were other things that didn't necessarily make sense. It's a little hard to go into detail without trying to demean the church because that is not the point of this podcast and that's not what I hope to do. But I did find myself becoming legalistic and finding my worth in the church leader's approval or disapproval rather than what does the Bible say and rather than having confidence in my own walk with God. So around 2018, the feelings of inauthenticity and rule following became so much that I decided to leave church. I don't know if me leaving church was in the hopes of saving my walk with God or to explore life outside of church. But the church culture had become such a toxic piece of my walk with God to where the best way I could equate it is I was an alcoholic. The church's rules were, you know, the liquor and I needed to get out of that to save to save my authenticity because I felt like I was just becoming a shell of myself and following these rules. I lost my identity and self-worth in the church. I put it in the approval of leadership and I cut off a lot of close friendships when I decided to leave. I had cut off a lot of friendships when I decided to join this culture because it really was this all in mentality that I had. But also there is this sort of unspoken rule of like you don't spend too much time with people who are outside of the church because First Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. There was this kind of this rule of you're always with the people in the church. That way you can always grow. But that slowly became this is all, you know, and there were times where I felt like if I was spending time with people that I was playing soccer with at college or in Roanoke, it was like, why are you spending so much time with them? What are you guys doing? And that just didn't really sit right with me. But also leaving the church meant I had to cut off those friendships uh, in a certain way. There was a couple friendships that I didn't handle well. I kind of ghosted people and that still haunts me of me not being able to handle it maturely. But eventually I met with the church leader and I told him I needed time off. He was hesitant uh, and we had built a good friendship over the years. I still consider him a friend. I told him that I needed to step away because I felt I was losing my my authentic faith. Uh, and his words came from a good place, but his advice was to stick with the church. And at that time, it felt like okay, well, you're a recovering alcoholic. So what you need to do is go to a bar and we're going to set liquor in front of you and you have to be able to, or like you have to learn how to drink this liquor and not get drunk. That's how you're going to be cured as an alcoholic. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Uh, You can't tell an, an alcoholic that's the way to heal. And so we left on good terms. I explored life outside of church again. Uh, I went to several different churches around the Christiansburg area because I was living in Blacksburg at the time. 
I had plenty of friends at work and school who helped me adjust to the world outside of that church culture. They were a lot of help. They watched over me over several drunken nights uh, in Blacksburg. Mainly my coworkers, we all kind of formed a, a good friendship group. Uh, but eventually I went back to church in June because I began to feel that sense of loneliness again. And I had regressed into like, this is the only thing I had known for seven years. Let me go back to it as a sense of comfort. And I think I went back knowing that I wasn't going to feel authentic, knowing that I wasn't going to feel uh, like I was really able to be myself 100% while giving myself 100% to the church or have a genuine walk with God that was free of the hold that I felt from the church culture of legalism and rules. So in a sense, going along with the, the alcohol metaphor, I had relapsed. I came in for a month and I fell very quickly back into the rule following. Um, there's a scripture in Revelation 3 when God addresses the church in Laodicea where he says, you have become lukewarm. I prefer if you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. There are other versions that say I will vomit you out of my mouth. And that scripture had always been shared with me and I had shared it with others when it came to like, you have to be 100% in just like any relationship. In a relationship with a significant other, like if you have one foot out the door, then what are you doing in that relationship? Give it everything you have. And if not, you owe it to that person and yourself to, to get out of that relationship because it's not, it's hollow. It's, it's not everything it could be. And that scripture came to my mind when I was having my own times of reflection and I realized that like, I either got to get myself to this or I need to get out and I can't look back. I can't regress again. I can't relapse again. And so instead of being lukewarm and just kind of staying in that culture of safety where I knew I had friends that I had built for seven years, I met up with the church leader again. I told him I was leaving for good. And that if I came back, I would only be coming back because I sincerely wanted to walk with God. I told him if God brought me to my knees and I had a situation kind of like the prodigal son or like Job or even King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4, where he's cast out of his kingdom and he's not restored until he actually really recognizes God as king of everything, then that's fine. If that happens to me, then cool. Because at least then I know it's me and God and not the voices of the church as the basis of my walk with him and attending a church. He asked me what he should do if others ask about me, like, why am I not at church anymore? And I said that they can come talk to me about my reasons because I would be honest with them. And he said, okay. Uh, he said he would turn them my way. And it was incredibly bittersweet walking away for good in August of that year. Because one, because the church leader had become such a great mentor to me. And I really did have a fondness of him. I knew from other people leaving the church what it meant to my friendships with the people that would remain in the church. I had hope that I would stay friends with all of them to some extent, but I know I needed to do what was best for my walk with God and even for my own mental health and emotional health at that time. Since that time, I have been enjoying life in the way that I, I want to. Uh, there are plenty of values that and morals that I carry with me when it comes to my relationships and friendships, but not until recently have I had a pull to think about my walk with God again. I have had conversations with people who are still in church or who consider themselves Christians and talk about scriptures and I talk about this is what this certain topic means about sin or finding comfort in God or being a part of a church culture that does glorify him, um, using scriptures that I had learned. I don't identify myself as a Christian. I think I am currently deconstructing the toxic conditioning and the concepts that I learned within that church, whether it was intentional or not, so that I can see God for who he really is and not my misconception of him. 
I can see grace for what it really is and not this like, oh, you sin, you don't get grace. You have to earn grace through repentance, which is something that I was conditioned to think. A real view of discipleship and being able to have a connection with him. That's what I'm going through personally. And I think when it comes to other people who are, who have come to me and asked about why I left church, I've told them the exact same things. Gave them the, the truth of why I left. And I never told people to overtly leave or overtly stay. I had people who had come to me and they're like, hey, I've been thinking about leaving. I'm struggling in my faith. Why did you leave? What are your thought processes? So I told others that there is a life outside of church, but it isn't easy. And it's not easy to adjust to a life that you have had considered sinful and dark for so long, especially when you know the consequences of sin. You know, if you're in church culture, you understand that the consequences of sin is death. And it's not easy to leave a church culture and go into the world knowing they're like, okay, like if I go party, this is the consequence because sometimes that sticks with you. Told people if they can truly be themselves and sincere in their walk with God within the group of churches or a church, then they have my full support and love. But if not, they owe it to themselves to work toward that authentic self, whether that's with God or not. And unfortunately, the church that I had been a part of began to think that I was trying to pull others away. And recently, I have been told that that church told people not to talk to me. I found that a couple of close friends have blocked me on social media. And people have told me that leadership had told them not to have any communication with me because they thought I was overtly pulling people away from God. And that, that really hurt. Um, these friendships I had built over seven plus years, new friends, close friends, old friends. I knew that those friendships would lessen because we wouldn't see each other as much. But all of a sudden it was stripped away. And, the, and at that time that it happened, I didn't understand what was going on. And it hurts even more now to know that I, I was kind of blacklisted because they thought I was trying to drag people into darkness, into hell with me as being someone who had left that church. Uh, it hurts more than words can describe because nobody sought my story, my side, or my thoughts. It was clear that blindly following was still a part of the church. And I've talked to others who have left and they also share in that hurt more than in any bitterness at the burnt bridges, simply because they no longer attend a church. But nowadays I am living in Charlotte. I love the life that I live. I'm dedicating so much time to this podcast. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. I'm scheduling a lot of meetings and recordings and editings for this podcast through the talks I've already had so far, my perspective has really shifted and really grown in terms of how to love and empathize and, and sympathize with other people when it comes to just listening to their stories and, and, and what they've gone through rather than trying to do things based off of my own understanding. I'm so excited to get this, these episodes out to you guys. Uh, if you want to stay up to date when the podcast episodes come out, the preview of the topic, give, a, give me a follow on Instagram at underscore forgive me father, all lowercase. Or if you have a Facebook, if you're on Facebook, type in forgive me father podcast, give a follow, give a like, save the page, put the notifications on there. That way you can stay up to date. The photos will be the same as the photo on this streaming site that you were listening to it. And feel free to send me any messages about possible topics that you would want to hear, maybe topics that you want to discuss. If you want to be on the podcast, I'm open to, to listening to different stories to see if it would be a good fit for the podcast. I'll only ask that you have 
an idea in mind that you can share and that you are not leaning one way in terms of trying to recruit people with being on the podcast or you're not trying to tear people away from church by being on the podcast and also feedback. I really want to hear how I can make it everything that it can be, how I can make it more helpful. What kind of questions should I ask a little more of? Uh, how can we make this? How can we make this fantastic? And don't forget to follow the, the podcast on whatever streaming service you're, you're listening to right now. If you're giving this a listen, make sure you hit follow. That way you can get notifications about when each one comes out. You can uh, hear these different perspectives and you can listen to how we can best love each other over certain topics, start conversations, and really grow as, as human beings with each other, regardless of whether you go to church, regardless of if you don't go to church, or where you consider yourself anywhere on that spectrum. The hope of the podcast really is to bridge the gap. So thanks for listening to this prologue. I'm really excited to get this stuff out. Stay tuned for more.